All right, Joe, let's pay some bills. The Onyx Hunt app with all of its features, it's no wonder the Onyx Hunt app is the number one GPS hunting app out there. All right, it is uh, basically probably the most, not the most, but definitely one of the best tools for all of your scouting needs when it comes to um, all of your hunting endeavors. All right. Know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. It is available for all your mobile devices, whether they be Apple or Android. Um, so just go ahead to the uh, Google Play Store or head to the um, the App Store on your Apple device. Download it today. Try it out or go ahead to your computer. Uh, head to the website www.onyxmaps.com and check it out. Nor where you know, I'm sorry, know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. All right, Norisa Game Calls. All right, here's the deal Mark is the man with these beautiful custom game calls. All right, with um, you know, turkey season wrapped up pretty much, I believe, throughout the entire United States. Mark is already getting uh, set for deer season this fall. And already creating some beautiful custom calls, some beautiful grunt calls. Um, check them out, see what they look like. Uh, you could visit his Instagram page at Nor'easter Game Calls on Instagram, um, or visit his website www.noreastergamecalls.com. All right, Mark is a dude that's uh, basically, uh, oh, what do you call it? So I want what's 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 a famous painter. Uh, I want to say he's like Michelangelo with it, you know, saying so he's creating these calls because they're really some beautiful uh, pieces um, and functional. You know, what I'm saying not only do they look great, but they work great out in the field. I had the pleasure of using um, a box call and like three different pot turkey pot calls, uh, slate surface and glass surface, you know, for the turkey season. They look beautiful and they worked perfectly. Um, so check them out again. Norisa game calls, get them in close. And last but not least, Afflicted Broadheads, toughest broadheads on the planet. Um, last year I got to harvest, I got to kill. I always find it weird what to say when it comes to uh when it comes hunting. Being so new to this, I never know if I should say kill or harvest to be kind of PC. But either way, I killed my first turkey with it last year. Unfortunately, I didn't get a deer and I didn't get another turkey this past spring season. But there's always this fall deer season. You know, I can get ready and the broadheads are sharp as crap. Cut myself on them a couple of times. Um, check them out online, uh, www.afflictedbroadheads.com. Um, and they've got an awesome YouTube channel with some great instructional videos. Uh, check them out again. It's just Afflicted Broadheads. All right. Okay, so um, the spring turkey season just wrapped up here in New York State. All right, it ran from May first to May thirty first. Now, in the months prior to that, to that, um, I did a lot of research on on turkeys, and one of the websites and organizations that was um, instrumental in uh, providing me a lot of information was that of the nwtf the national wild turkey federation um an awesome awesome organization that i had the pleasure of working with during the turkey season and creating some content 
Um, in speaking with a writer from the NWTF, um, I learned a lot more about them um, than uh, what do you call I had read uh, from their website. And I highly recommend you guys go ahead to their website as well and learn more about them, learn more about what they do on the conservation side in terms of, you know, the wild turkey throughout the United States and even the the what they do in regards to conserving conserving the the habitats of the wild turkey throughout the United States. Um I mean one of the dope things about having taken on bull hunting is um not only have I learned about as a hunter how I and millions of other other hunters contribute to converse, conservation but um I I like this I really love learning the science behind you know, the habitat um, of certain species and, you know, learning the science behind some of these species that we hunt themselves. So um, go ahead, check them out. That's the NWTF, the National Wild Turkey Federation. Proud to say I recently became a member waiting for my package to come in the mail. All right. Um, link to their website will be in the show notes. You're welcome. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to episode 63 of When the Hunt Calls, the only hunting podcast hosted by a middle-aged black guy from New York City. And I am said black guy, your host, Cliff Cadet. What's going on, y'all? Uh, happy Friday. Hope y'all had uh, an awesome um, turkey season. Ours just ended on Memorial Day. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, uh, just sharing information. New York State spring turkey season runs from May 1st to May 31st. Um, so don't get caught out there thinking your turkey season was extended if you're out here in New York State. Um, but uh, yeah, my turkey season was dope, had a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't heard already, check out episode 62. That's where I do a, a whole turkey season um, recap. So that was last week's episode. If you haven't heard it already, hit stop on this. Go back one episode and press play. If you had heard, if you have already listened to it, uh, hey, enjoy this one. <laughs> All right. So uh, again, happy Friday. Hope y'all had a great week, and hope you guys are looking forward to even an even better um, weekend. Just hoping to put out something for you guys to listen to this weekend. Whether you're, uh, you've decided to start scouting already uh out in the woods or you're out on a hike or you're doing or just enjoying any activity outdoors all right so episode 63 what it is what it is here's the deal um i was fortunate to to link up with a pretty dope mentor you know you guys know anthony already um anthony lives uh around the area that i hunt He's been he's been really cool and I've been fortunate enough to be able to shadow him um, in terms of learning about bow hunting, learning about the, the public land that's, you know, about less than an hour from my city. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But um, others aren't necessarily so fortunate, you know what I'm saying? And with the hunting industry really focusing on, you know, uh recruitment retention reactivation you know the whole r3 um movement you know there are 
a lot of potential hunters out there that may or may not have um, the luck of being able to have a mentor and are maybe trying to get out there on their own. Um, and you know what? I commend if you if you are a, a potential hunter, somebody new to hunting and you're out there really trying to get out there and get it done on your own. That is awesome kudos to you because at the end of the day you're out there in those woods uh learning um uh as best as possible but there are advantages to just like um any other activity you know having someone to kind of lean on someone to go to um when you've got questions when you when you uh are kind of stuck you know what i'm saying so um these two guys, my guests today, are Andy and Evan, and um, they started um, an organization, if you will, that focuses on partnering uh, mentors and mentees. You know what I'm saying? And uh, slowly but surely, they're growing. They they're building partnerships um, with with other organizations. Um, and um, you know what? I'm gonna shut up and let you guys listen to this uh, interview. Um, so this is episode 63, um, and I'm talking to Andy and Evan. I'm not going to butcher their last names because they're really long and complicated. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, uh, in the interview and you can learn more about Opportunity Outdoors. All right, gentlemen, welcome to When the Hunt Calls. Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out. I truly appreciate, uh, your patience, uh, more than anything, um, but ladies and gents, please uh, join me in welcoming both um, Andy and Evan of Opportunity Outdoors. Now, gentlemen, um, I didn't say your last names only because I did not want to butcher them. So please go ahead and fully introduce yourselves. Uh, Cliff, uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for having us. We're super happy to be here. Um, I'm Andy Tomaszewski. Um, it's a doozy, so don't worry about it. It gets butchered <laughs> on the regular. Um <clears throat> Yeah, we're uh, fired up to be here talking with you. Yeah, cool, cool. And I'm uh, Evan Trebilcock, and um, I'm sure Andy and I both butcher each other's names because they're so <laughs> difficult. So, um, you know, usually he calls me like just E.T. or Evan or whatever, and I just call him Andy T. So it kind of works out that way. But, yeah, man, I really appreciate you uh, bringing us on here and, and excited for the conversation. Thank you again, man. No, same here, same here. Um, now, what I wanted to do first is I guess I wanted to jump into you guys, learn a little bit more about um, where you guys are from. Um, so, I, you know what, if you don't mind, Evan, let's get started with you. Where Where are you from? Uh, so, I originally grew up in Binghamton, New York, which mm-hmm. is, um, for those who aren't familiar with the state of New York, it's about three and a half hours from New York City, and it's just above the border of Pennsylvania, about an hour north of Scranton, PA, famous The Office, and about an hour south mm-hmm. of Syracuse area. So um, it's a small, you know, kind of like a small city. It's kind of like where IBM started and Dick's Sporting Goods, but a lot of the um, those big companies moved out of the area. But it, it was a great place to grow up and live and a lot of places to, you know, um, kind of get 
both feels of suburbia and also being in the outdoors if you wanted to within, you know, 20 minutes or so. So that's where I grew up, Binghamton, New York. And now I've moved down to North Carolina. Um, I lived in Charlotte for a year and then now I've been two years here in the Durham area, um, just outside of Raleigh. And that's where I work and this is where I reside. And this is where I, uh, I hang out for most of the time now. So I still visit home, you know, a couple times a year to see family, um, do a little hunting and fishing up there with my father when I can and, and brothers. But, um, Yep, most of my time spent here in North Carolina, and I'm loving every minute of it. Nice. All right. A fellow New Yorker. I knew there was a reason why I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andy, Andy, where, where are you from? Yeah, that makes me the odd man out. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, technically born in, in North Carolina, but my parents pretty much immediately moved us back to Michigan. That's where our whole family's from. Um, uh, right outside Detroit, I grew up uh, basically right on the edge of the city. Um Spent a lot of time uh, <clears throat> up in northern Michigan, basically spent my summers up in northern Michigan, uh, both sides of my family. Uh, they each own a little bit of property up that way. So there's two different properties that we'd go spend our summers at. Um, I went to school up in the Upper Peninsula. So most folks aren't familiar with that part of the world, but it's basically Canada, uh, the <laughs> south, south shores of Lake Superior. Uh, very, very cold, snowy winters and um really amazing country up there. Very wild still. Um, graduated and uh, my wife and I moved um, out to Colorado. Uh, she did a PhD out there. We lived in Fort Collins, Colorado for about five years um, and then subsequently moved out to North Carolina. So now we're down here in uh, the Triangle area and um, yeah, like Evan said, just kind of living it up down here in the south we love it <laughs> i hear you i hear you um there's nothing like uh life in the south i i will say while i am a um a big city person i do enjoy the south a lot um i have family in florida family in georgia stuff like that so uh we're kind of itching to get get out south get down south um once we know travel is you know really safe especially with, uh, with COVID being uh, what it is, or should I say what it was, you know, saying with the uh, declining. So hopefully we'll be down there soon. <clears throat> so Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, so you talked about growing up outside of Detroit, but you sent, you spent most of your summers in Northern Michigan. Is that where you got your start in, in hunting or in the outdoors, or is it something you started doing later in life? Yeah, I mean, I was, um, I come from one of those, like, I guess, very, like, typical uh, patriarchy families. My grandfathers both hunted. Um, they passed it to their sons. So all my uncles hunted. My dad hunted. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was the kid that we would go up to the cottage, and I was taught how to shoot 22s when I was, like, six years old. And I had bows when I was very young um got into all the shooting sports and was very comfortable with firearms so that when i turned 10 12 years old i think it was, it was legal yeah it'd be 12 when i was coming up before you could hunt with a firearm um 10 for small game though so i think i was 10 years old when my dad gave me a 12 gauge and took me for a walk in the woods to go <laughs> try and hunt grouse for the first time and uh <clears throat> Yeah, I did. Uh, we did a lot of small game hunting. We, um, you know, we, we have those couple properties that we would go up to, but we also did a lot of hunting a lot closer to the city. There's, um, 
in southern Michigan, there's quite a bit of public land around. So even up around our properties, our properties were small. So we had hunt a lot of public land and just use our properties as a base camp. Uh, so I was a big public land hunter growing up, um, which um, was really helpful. Like later in life, as I started moving around and going around the country and hunting other places, I was very confident going and finding public land to hunt on, which uh, is kind of, it's kind of like my favorite thing to do. It's like, go find public land where there's other people, there's a little bit of competition and go try and figure it out. Nice. Um, I got to ask now, being that you, you grew up in it, is there a, you have a favorite method of hunting? Like, do you prefer bow hunting? Um, do you like shooting, shooting, you know, wild game? Like, what do you prefer? Man, I, I get torn up because I like it all. Um, I'm pretty bad at not at being like a jack of all trades, not uh, <laughs> not selecting uh, an expertise in anything. Um, <laughs> I definitely lately have been, I guess I've always been, but lately I've been even more drawn back to the bow, um, which is something I shot a lot when I was young, but was never I never really hunted that hard with it. I just did a lot of archery shooting. Um, when I was like high school age, like once I was like able to take hunting seriously and, and kind of like lead the, lead the efforts with my like family and, and my dad, especially I was very focused on, uh, bird hunting. Um, I was big into shooting shotguns at that time. So we did quite a bit of grouse hunting and, and shooting shotguns and hunting birds over dogs. Wow. All right. And do you have a favorite, um, I guess, you know, a favorite animal to hunt that you prefer to hunt? Like, is it whitetail over... Uh, oh, man, I mean, the most... The, my favorite <laughs> my favorite critter to go after is probably grouse of, of, really? any, of any flavor. Uh, the big, big blue grouse out in Colorado are incredible. When you put a dog on them, they actually start to act like... Uh, they act a little less, less silly, and they act a little bit like a game bird. Um, but the rough grouse that I grew up on in northern Michigan just kind of, like, hold a sweet spot for me. Uh, it's probably just a lot of nostalgia, but... Um, yeah, I, I really love grouse hunting. Right now, my favorite thing to hunt, uh, since I have little kids in the house, is probably white-tailed deer because I can literally hunt them in my backyard. So it's the most accessible, which, uh, as most people know, that makes that makes the fun factor go up because you can get out and do it all the time. <laughs> all right, I'm officially jealous. Come on down, <laughs> man. I, I got plenty <laughs> of yard space. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's let's jump to you, Evan. Um, you grew up in in Binghamton, you know, upstate. I know a lot of the residents upstate are are fairly familiar to you know hunting. Did you grow up in it as well, like like Andy did, or is it something you got into later on? Oh yeah, man. I mean, um, <laughs> I grew up into it in the way like so. I grew up in it kind of similar to Andy um, in the regards that like I had a family that grew up with hunting my grandfather hunted um rifle a lot with his uh his like hunting group that was a little bit more north of where i grew up and that was like kind of his his thing that he did but my father is really i would call the the big hunter within that family um my father was um the only son to five sisters and he grew up on a hill where he could just go up there and explore as a kid. And he would like at the age of like eight was hired to shoot, you know, the woodchucks at the neighbor's yard for like, 
you know, whatever, a pop just to get them out of the garden and stuff. So, and my father has been, you know, probably the biggest influences when it comes to hunting because my mom would talk to me about stories of him carrying me on my back before I was even one, you know, going up into the woods as he would go scout or set up a tree stand. So it was kind of inevitable, I think. I was I was kind of groomed to be what I am and have a love for it because he did so much. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just was, I didn't know any different and that's just how <laughs> I grew up. Nice. Nice. And do you have a favorite method of hunting? Uh, do you prefer the bow to a shotgun or a rifle? I am a bow hunter through and through. Um, my father was as well. Um, you know, I, I, where we grew up, it was shotgun only country for a while until I pretty much was in college. So the best time, you know, we hunt with shotguns and that's how I kind of started. Uh, New York was a little different. I believe the age to hunt with a firearm for, with a gun was like, I think 15 or 16, but you had to have someone within eye shot of you pretty much until you were 18 when it came to that. Um, and then I think you could bow hunt when you were 14, but I just didn't have a bow that was proper for it. But um, my father had like a recurve for me ever since I was young because he would be practicing in the yard and I wanted to practice with dad. So he took me, gave me his childhood recurve and I learned how to shoot at a very young age pretty accurately with that. And I would, I even remember going around the yard and trying to hit squirrels with, you know, those, the, just the field tips, just trying, my dad would let me try just, you know, just to give me that experience. He knew what he was doing um, at that age and could tell that I was just enamored by spotting and stalking and ambushing and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I grew up um, just really falling in love with the bow from the start. And I think it had a lot to do with my father being a really big bow hunter and um, a very good one. So, yeah, that's that, that's my favorite is the bow, and it will always be my favorite, and uh, I hope it never changes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And um, favorite animal to hunt? Like, what do you like going after with your bow? So um, I would say it kind of gets split. Um, <clears throat> recently, I've taken the initiative on myself to start chasing you know, elk out in the Rocky Mountains, and I've gone the past two years in Colorado um do it yourself diy i've never hired a guide just you know my cousins went one year and i watched a lot of meat eater and i just decided you know what i'm just gonna go for it and it's been probably some of the most memorable experiences i've had out in the woods um to date and um but at the same time the challenge of a smart white-tailed deer is something that also really drives me so most of the time, my time is focused on, you know, chasing white-tailed deer, trying to figure it out, trying to get the patterns, trying to be a really effective bow hunter. Um, I'm a little bit more of a purist when it comes to the South because a lot of people bait here on private. I just, I, I did it once and I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm more interested in the animal's behavior and trying to keen off of that maybe um, instead of either putting it out a bait pile, which I, I don't frown upon at all. It's just <clears throat> I grew up in New York. You couldn't bait, and it just is the way I've always done it. And um, until my father taught me, so I like to get back to my roots and do that. And so I would probably say it splits. I would probably lean more towards whitetail because they're just so much more accessible, and they cost a lot less money than buying an out-of-state tag and going all the way up to Colorado. But mm -hmm. I got to say, the adventure is something that I really, really like too. 
Nice. Can I ask, was it difficult to pull a, um, an elk tag for Colorado? So most of, a lot of the state has um, over-the-counter tags. So you can just show up, go to a Bass Pro, a Walmart, uh, go to the, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office and buy a tag out of state for those those units. And when you get an over-the-counter tag, you can hunt all of the over-the-counter units. So you're not focused to one specific area like if you drew. Now, the downside is anybody can do that. So you get a lot more pressure. It's a lot tougher. Mm. You know, the animal, animals are more pressured. There might be less of them. It's not really a trophy hunt in any means, but it's accessible if you're willing to pay the money and just go for it. So, all right. So Colorado does over-the-counter tags when it comes to elk. So um, what states are – I'm sorry because I'm still fairly new to it, and I know it's usually a big deal for guys, um, for hunters – uh, male and female, um, to try to draw tag uh, elk tags. What states is it that is most difficult to to draw those tags? Uh, it probably depends on the unit that you're going for <clears> in the state. So, like, there's oh, some okay. really big prize units in all states, whether that be Wyoming, Colorado, Montana, Arizona. You know, I would say probably one of some of the states that are the toughest ones are probably something like Nevada. And Arizona, Arizona, uh, Arizona yeah. always pops up as being really challenging to draw. I think yeah. Washington for some of the good units on the eastern half. Um, yeah. I'm no expert of the the points game and the tag game, but um, Colorado is an excellent place to go if you don't have if you haven't been building points and you mm-hmm. want to play the over the counter game because at least. Currently, there's a, a ton of units that are included in the over-the-counter, and mm-hmm. if you're willing, if you're willing to work for it, you can you can pretty much go spend as much time as you want. It's a month-long season, so you can you can put in a lot of time and go cover a lot of ground in a lot of really beautiful places. And there's a lot of elk out there. Yeah. Yep. Wow. There's so, also a lot of units that are a lot better. <clears throat> Uh, mm-hmm. on paper anyways but those those require the lottery and points yeah and all, all the states are set up a little different in the terms of their point system so some are the you know the the pure lottery where you put your name in the hat once and you have the same odds as however many other people put it in um but there's also like colorado does the preference points so every year you you put in you get one name in the hat. So the next year you have two each time you put in, you build points. So people will hold out on points and just buy preference points. Um, you have to buy a small game license now. So you have to shell out the hundred something bucks for a small game license plus pay for the lottery. So, you know, the best units might take you 25 years and that's not even including point creep, which is. The hold, more- on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. 25 years. Yeah, like the best units, people are holding out for so long to get these, and the top whatever people who have the most points have the best odds. So once you reach a certain point, you have more points than everybody else, and you're going to get the tag. Um, And then the problem becomes that guys that have been putting in for preference points that have already been doing it for 15 or 20 years, they've got a whole pile of points. You're never able to catch them, even if you start today. Because yeah. there's there's a guy that's got 15 points, there's a guy that's got 14 points, there's a guy that's got 13 points, and by the time you start today, uh, you'll never be able to catch the guys that are already in line ahead of you. 
And that's yeah. the point creep conundrum of hunting yeah. in the West. Yeah. So there's, a couple, there's a couple of units that like some of us are just never going to be able to hunt. And they are like the big bull trophy units. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the Northeast or sorry, Northwest corner of Colorado has a, has a couple of those. Yeah. Is now is it is it that difficult to draw tags for those for those uh, units because so many people are putting in for them, or there's just <clears throat> maybe that lower number of tags being uh, given out? Yeah, there's just that few of tags available every year. So you it's you're just there if there's a hundred people with twenty points and they only give out. Uh, 50 tags for that unit, then half of those guys are going to get those ta- those tags, and then no one else with less points is going to get any tags. That's crazy. And it's funny because I was like, elk is something, I, I like a do-it-yourself uh, elk hunt is something I'd like to do, you know, two or three years oh, down the don't line. Don't get discouraged by the points game, man. <laughs> you, you can go elk hunt all kinds of places and you can save up a couple of points and go hunt some mm-hmm. cool spots or you can just go over the counter and go get the experience because honestly, the experience and the time on the mountain is more valuable than like trying to be in the quote unquote best unit because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, like are you going to be upset shooting a, a 270 inch bowl instead of a 350 inch bowl i personally i wouldn't even be able to tell the difference that with all the adrenaline pumping through my blood at 20 yards agreed agreed all right so wow is is you you guys have given me a lot to think about but i'm (laughs) i'm curious though like this whole i find that um as I, as I, especially because I mostly mess with uh, social media, and as I see this on sho- uh, social media, I find that all of this, ha- uh, like the drawings and how difficult it is, and building preface point, usually has to deal with guys putting in for elk tags. Um, are there similar issues when it comes to just uh, hunting deer? Like, are there areas maybe in the U.S. that are difficult to get tags for? You know what I'm saying? When it comes to deer or what, maybe mule deer for that matter. It's funny that we started this by saying Colorado is an easy place to go get an elk tag because mm-hmm. Colorado is a really hard place to go get a deer tag. Really? <laughs> yeah, they don't have like tremendous deer numbers compared to the amount of hunters. So mm-hmm. all of all of the mule deer tags in Colorado are lottery. There, there are some that um, don't there not enough people enter the lottery, so they end up being leftover. So you can buy those without entering the lottery once the lottery's over. But for the most part, all of the deer tags, the mule deer tags in the col- in the state of Colorado, go through a lottery system, meaning that pretty much everywhere you want to try and hunt, you you don't have. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to plan that hunt. Um, you know, like a year or two in advance, you've got to draw the tag first. So there's a spot that I hunted uh, late season rifle a couple of times um, out in Western Colorado. Uh, awesome, awesome spot for mule deer. You see, you'll see, especially if you go out there, especially if you go out there during like uh, some of the, during the summertime when the, the bucks are in velvet and running around, you'll see big bucks all over the place. But um, you're only going to draw a tag there probably like maybe every two years. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's all right. Crazy, <laughs> it's uh, 
probably the the word that comes to mind. But yeah, um, a lot of research, honestly, is what it comes down to. What you're after in the researching the states where they're available. You know, mm-hmm. I think South Dakota had a lot of over-the-counter for a while. They switched to a lot of lottery, but it's not that hard to get a tag. And same with Montana. I hear mule deer is easier to get a tag versus elk in Montana. So it's all about researching what you're going after and where you can go after it is what it comes down mm-hmm. to. South Dakota is actually uh, where I really would love to hunt because um, back in 2005, I chaperoned a group of New York City teenagers on a trip out to South Dakota. Um, and we spent about three weeks out there traveling from uh, reservation to reservation. We were at um, Rosebud Reservation. We were at um, Pine Ridge. Um, and it was really cool, uh, really cool. And then just I just fell in love with just just the land there. It was just beautiful. We were out in the Black Hills, um, went to Wind Cave National Park, um, and it was just an awesome, awesome place to visit. So I can only imagine what it'd be like to hunt out there. Oh, yeah. All right. So let me jump into why I really wanted to have you guys on the podcast uh, this episode. Um, you know, basically... Um, even before I started hunting, I believe the the hunting industry and community has been focusing on um, this R3 movement, you know, uh, kind of uh, the R3 being um, recruitment, retention, and reactivation. You two uh, basically created something to kind of help or assist in that entire movement um why don't you guys tell us uh exactly what that is you want to go evan uh yeah sure i can i can start us off and let you finish it out um so yeah you're absolutely right um so we what we really wanted to do is kind of exactly what you said um we understand that there's a lot of need or push or, you know, for many good reasons, whether it be conservation or just getting more people out there to give back um, to wildlife and have people understand, you know, what hunting is in a good light. Um, And that is to get more people out there. And R3 is, you know, um, recruitment, retention and reactivation. And it's kind of a kind of like an inside Thing within the industry you know so if you mention the r3 to most people they'll kind of ask you what does that mean um so andy and i kind of wanted to take the approach of well instead of coining it that way what we saw was you know all these people are doing a great job of getting people introduced to it that um that first part of it but where it seemed to have a little bit of falter was the retention side which is you know you, you go out and you get your hunter ad and then maybe you do an introduction hunt or something that your state agency puts on but after that it gets tough for agencies because they're trying to focus on the next group of people that they want to introduce and they're hoping that those people that they introduced will you know stay and be retained by getting out there now that they have their license um, so where andy and i kind of came together on this was well in order to kind of continually learn and gain confidence so that way you want to stay out there, you almost need a mentor of sorts. And, you know, Andy and I were lucky enough to grow up in families that our mentors were our family members, whether it be a father or a grandfather, but not everybody's 
lucky enough to have that. Mm-hmm. And that's evident, you know, the more the percentage of hunters goes down, less families hunt. And that's fine. Um, but there should be an avenue in which these people can go somewhere and help find this help and people who want to help, people who want to teach and um, bring people together um, in the name of either hunting or fishing or whatever outdoors is kind of where we kind of thought about this was, you know, there just needs to be a place where they can find these kind of people that want to help. And that's basically why we started it. And I'll let Andy add if he wants to anything else. Yeah. Um, so we, we founded opportunity outdoors, which is, uh, our mission is to grow conservation through mentorship. Um, I think, uh, Evan and I both, align pretty strongly on this idea that people people will protect and support um both the wild places themselves all the beautiful amazing public land that we have in this country um as well as uh like the activities that go on there like hunting and and the the consumptive effort the consumptive aspects of some of recreation um and people will be more open to supporting it if they can see it firsthand and like Evan said, so many people just don't have access to it. So how do you provide access to taking people hunting? Well, they need, they need someone to, to go with them um, or at least support them like virtually. And um, Evan and I actually, we actually met through volunteering um, at a, the state agency here puts on a get started outdoors program in North Carolina uh, where they, they make, uh, they have, new hunters sit down, uh, for a one day, how to deer hunt class. Um, so we, we taught folks how to shoot firearms. We taught folks how to scout and find deer sign. We taught them how to hang tree stands safely. And then after that full day is complete, we, we plan a mentored hunt, um, down the road during the, during the open season. Um, and Evan and I participated as volunteer mentors so we came out and helped with the the class during that day and then we went out and sat in a blind with some some folks on their very first deer hunt and what we very quickly learned from that event was that all of these people were fired up on getting out into the deer woods but then they had no idea how to go do it on their own even with that class and all that support they were still like they needed something else they needed someone to help guide them and we pretty much came together and said well between the fact that all these folks want a little bit more help finding their opportunity to get out and get after it and the fact that we he evan and i both look at all the public land like here in north carolina we have like 2.1 million acres of public land and we sit back and look at that and say wow we have got a lot of opportunity to go harvest some groceries out here and um we'd like to share it with people so uh we came up with opportunity outdoors so we're trying to help people see the opportunity around them and help provide opportunities for people that they might not have been able to come up with on their own all right nice i i first of all i gotta say two things one thank you because my next question was going to be exactly how did the two of you link up how do you guys meet so i appreciate you acknowledging that then the second thing is i can totally relate to what you what you noticed in those folks you got to mentor for that you know uh for that hunt and such because i was lucky enough to like i mentioned before i before we started recording 
you know, to, to link up with my mentor and it was purely by accident. You, you know, you could blame the, you know, the Instagram algorithm. Um, and uh, the cool thing is, while I've had the opportunity to try to head out on my own and and apply what I've learned, my mentor still is is always more than willing to head out with me still and kind of hold my hand if necessary. You're know, saying to walk me through some stuff, but then he also will will let me, you know, go out on my own. Um, you know what I'm saying? If I tell him, you listen, I found some public land and he's totally aware that this maybe this piece of land is a bus, you know what I'm saying? He'll let me kind of go out, see it for myself, get boots on the ground, see it for myself and understand why probably the deer don't occupy that particular piece or don't frequent that piece of land in any way, shape, or form. So it's I gotta say one kudos for you to having just, you know, stepped up and volunteered you know, for an event like that, and then taking it upon yourselves to even take it a step further. So realizing, you know, it is kind of after these guys get a one day class or, you know, course, and then an opportunity to hunt for a day, what next? Because I've often found over the last two years, well, well, and again, a lot of this is via social media. I've, I've met a lot of people that invite me to hunt and that's all well and good. Um, and I mean, they want me to travel four, five, six, seven hours to meet them somewhere because they've got access to a great piece of property with plenty of deer on it. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. I, I, I greatly appreciate those offers. But I know for myself, now once I get back here, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? So, again, I appreciate you guys um, taking the initiative and creating something like Opportunity Outdoors. Now, um, you guys, I've noticed, have begun um, developing regions for Opportunity Outdoors, correct? Yep. Yeah, we're, right. we're working on expansion. We've got um, some pretty strong volunteers that have stepped up, uh, up in your neck of the woods, both based out of New York, um, kind of taking on the Northeast. And um, we've got actually a fair bit of help down here helping us uh, start to punch, punch across the borders um, into Virginia, South Carolina. Um, and then we've got, I've got some, some friends back in Colorado that are pretty interested in what we're doing and we're working on uh, finding some more folks to help out out West as well, because we think this, uh, I mean, this movement is pretty powerful right now with COVID kind of hitting at the same time as Evan and I came together to get this thing going. It's, um, I mean, the outdoors right now is, is big for a lot of people. And um, I think we need to, as an outdoor community, we need to kind of come together and support the people who want to be a part of it. But maybe they don't have that mentor. Maybe they don't have, um, and it, it doesn't have to be one mentor. It doesn't have to be one person who goes out and physically holds your hand. It could be five people who give you advice via text messages. You know, we need to, we need to put in a lot of work on just supporting folks who want to be a part of this because, I mean, there's there's a, just a bunch of flaws with the way this community has developed over the years, and it's the numbers have shown it. Like it has it has declined since the '80s, and it's done that for a reason. And we all need to kind of step back, look at it, and say, what are we going to do to make it better? Nice. So let me ask then: um, How do you guys find 
the the mentees those interested those who want to get into hunting but don't know how how do you guys um find those people that's easy <laughs> <laughs> that is easy there is not a shortage of people who are interested we've learned um you know whether it's just us throwing it up on facebook or us reaching out to the agency who funnels some folks to us um wherever that is or you know There'll be people who reach out in just Facebook pages that I've found. That's how we found some of our volunteers that were once mentees just saying, hey, I'm, you know, interested in learning how to hunt on a Facebook hunting page. And, you know, a lot of the canned answers are go get your hunter ed, you know, go get your hunting license, um, find a lease. Go join a hunt club. Yeah. And stuff like that. And then, and I understand that those are ways that you can do it, but it, there's so much gray in between there. So there are so many people willing to just say, hey, I would love the assistance or I'd love to at least just talk to somebody who's willing to help me walk through the process of finding the right firearm to hunt deer with, where I can do it that I don't have to get a lease because I don't have the money to do it. You know, stuff like that is just as basic, but it helps people get out there and start building confidence. And then, you know, you offer a range day and say hey come on out and meet me and let's shoot some rounds and make sure your your rifle sighted in so that way you feel you know safe around a firearm if you don't used to it etc and that way people can start building that confidence and they say yeah i can do this i i took the hunter ed i took the class i have the license i've got a place to go now i can start trying to figure this out and obviously more questions arise after that but that's kind of where you know, people are so interested in trying to get in. It's like, how do you get into the door? And I think people will realize once they get into the door and start meeting people, they're like, wow, I didn't realize how much this community really does want to help. And not just Opportunity Outdoors. There are so many people out there that do want to help, just need the opportunity to do it. Uh, agreed. And it, it's funny because you started uh, kind of spitting um, some phrases that I got. I, I heard that when I first put it out there that I wanted to hunt, it's like, oh, yeah, just go get your license, go take hunter safety, and then, you know, just get out in the woods. I'm like, uh, okay, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's a lot more elaborate than that, you know? And um, as I learned more, um, it, got, it got a little bit intimidating, but not so much so that it deterred me from, you know, wanting to hunt, so... All right. Do you guys have any ties to any organizations that help, um, you know, push people your way? Um, we work with, Evan and I are both volunteers and um, members at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And okay. um, we've met people through them. Um, we also, like we said, we met volunteering for our, our local state agency and they've, They've we found people through the state agency as well who kind of are asking the same questions like where do we go, um, and the agency is able to say, uh, well you can look these guys up and when they find us on Facebook or find us through our website they can shoot us an email and here we are. Um, so yeah, there's there's those venues. We uh, we also do come across plenty of people on on social media and um, just folks out there like trying to get into it i mean i meet people out in the woods at the at the tailgate and they're out there scouting and we get into a conversation and they tell me that they just bought a bow six months ago and they don't really know what they're doing and i say well if you if you ever want any help just give me a call because that's that's what we do 
Yeah. Nice. Help, help people figure it out. Yep. And there's other organizations out there too that, you know, we've, you know, either partnered with or communicated with, whether that be someone like Hunters of Color or Artemis or Wild Hernis that are doing similar stuff that we are doing, maybe in different areas that, you know, we kind of bounce, you know, stuff off of each other. So, um, like you said, there's a lot of R3 movements out there right now. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we wanted to do is kind of make a connection between us and them. So that way we can all work together. Oh, sounds good. And how can uh, potential mentors uh, link up with you guys? Same way. If anybody wants to help, if anybody is out there listening, wants to commit some time just helping new folks get involved in the outdoors, um, opportunityoutdoors.com, um, op- at Opportunity Outdoors, both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Message us, email us at connect at opportunityoutdoors.com. Whatever is your way of communicating, find us and get a hold of us. And uh, I, it will not take long for us to put you to work. So be ready. <laughs> I hear you. So now also um, you guys have an event coming up, um, more of a series, I should say. Uh, go yeah. ahead and plug, and plug that. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, what spurred us – finally getting together for this is uh i mean you're the urban archery guy so (laughs) here we are putting together the inaugural archery hunting 101 school um hosted and put on by opportunity outdoors um we're gonna we're gonna teach a whole cohort of folks how to how to bow hunt this year and uh cliff's gonna help us out so it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun Definitely, definitely. Um, and I look forward to contributing to that. So, uh, one, thanks for the invite. I, I'm looking forward to, to being a part of it. Um, what can what can folks um, maybe uh, hope to expect or, or learn? Like, um, I think you, you had shared with me um, kind of like, I, we don't have to go into target dates, but like the different sessions. What are, what are you guys going to be going into? Yeah, so um, we're going to do a five series webinar and all of these, um, everything we try to do is for free. Um, currently, we are filed for uh, non-for-profit. So, you know, we do anticipate, you know, asking for donations at some point, but we always want to make it free no matter what point we are within the organization for people who want to get out. We want it to be accessible to anybody who wants mm-hmm. to learn. So we're going to do a five series webinar and then where there are mentors who are willing to host and help, we'll have um, field days or range days. Um, So we're going to do five of them here in North Carolina and we'll try to do as many as possible in other areas like New York where we have a mentor who's willing to do that. And in Colorado, we have some guys out there who are willing to help. Um, And we're trying to work and see if we can't get some more this summer for people to participate in. But during the webinar series, we kind of wanted to break things out and do like that classroom-like setting to learn um, through the webinar so everybody can watch it from home, re-watch it on YouTube. We'll throw it up on YouTube so people can can go back and watch. And we'll start um, probably mid, mid-ish June and then go from there and we'll do like an intro to bow hunting. What, what is bow hunting? What is archery equipment? You know, regulations to consider. And then just a quick equipment info um intro and then we'll also do you know 
more of the equipment in depth in the next webinar, like actually really explaining the pieces of a bow, whether that be a traditional archery bow or a compound or even a crossbow. And then the maintenance that goes along with it. So once you buy a nice piece of equipment like that, you want to make sure it's going to work every time you go out in the woods and when you're practicing so you're safe and also you're effective. Um, and then we'll go into target practice routines and techniques to improve your technique as you aim to be effective out in the woods. So when your technique is good and your, you know, your accuracy is good, um, then you feel just much more confident uh, when you get into a real hunting scenario. So practicing shooting, sitting down on a knee up in a tree stand, things that typical bow hunters don't take for granted, just part of your practice routine. We want to put that on display or talk about it. And then we'll go into more hunting techniques, you know, when folks use hunting, you know, tree stands or a blind, possibly ground, just sitting on the ground, spot and stalk, which is, you know, obviously very popular out west. And then finally, we'll just do um, picking like hunting setups, you know, actually really talking about once you're out in the woods and you're hunting. I think that is one of the, the toughest barriers when it comes to you know i've got a bow i'm effective with it out to 35 yards i can hunt from a tree stand but where do i set up on a trail how do i know what the wind is these are these are conversations that you might not think about till you're out there so priming people to start thinking about this as they're scouting or they're getting out there and hunting and that way they can start hopefully trying to put the puzzle pieces together in their mind on what they want to do once they start going out and hunting and that is going to be the basics of the five series webinar. And then we'll do a lot of this stuff in practice at range days where we'll talk about some of this stuff, show, display, and then also practice. And that's basically what the range days are for, is for practice, meeting people who do it. And then that way questions flow, ideas go through, and people mm -hmm. learn a lot on the hands-on experiences with being around people. That is awesome. I got to um, say I, I like the way you you guys have – all the bases covered um, in terms of uh, topics um, and then even incorporating, like you said, the field days so uh, folks can apply what they've learned. Nice. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Um, definitely will be, uh, I mean, you forward me the information. I will be more than happy to share it, especially with hopes of, um, you know, newer uh, New York hunters potential new york hunters uh participating as well yeah i already got a couple signed up up in new york a couple down nice. in your area so nice good to hear good to hear all right so to round this interview out um what i'd like uh from you guys um and i'll i'll start with evan um you know now especially you guys are playing such a huge role in terms of mentorship what is one piece of advice that you believe maybe every every new hunter should know um, when getting started? Um, for me, I'm always a persistence person. That's how I hunt. I'm not the best hunter out there, um, mm -hmm. but I'm persistent. And you could probably testify to that. I will go out. I mean, I, I, it's not abnormal to not see white-tailed deer for 15 hunts in a row. It's part mm -hmm. of it. Every experience is a learning experience. If you can get out of it, failure is not not seeing animals or not getting a shot at them. I think some people who are new to it might have a little bit of skewed um, 
approach to it seeing like all the tv shows and everything because all they show you is the action there's mm-hmm. a lot of dead space in there but these people are you know the real good hunters are persistent and because you can't shoot them on the couch is the saying but it's true and the more you're out there the more you learn the land the more you learn the signs the more you start something happens and it works and then you remember what you did why you know maybe what the wind was and you start taking into account these things so i'm always about persistence just keep at it keep asking questions keep reaching out to people keep looking up resources and just keep trying things until hopefully something sticks and i think everybody has their own style that works for them Mm -hmm. the way i hunt is going to be different than you cliff and that's a good thing because i'm not you and you're not me so go with what works for you and and if you don't know what works for you, trying, just keep trying. Just keep trying. That's all I have to say. Cool. Andy? Yeah, man. I mean, I'd I'd probably want to say the same thing, but I'll get I can be cleverer than that. Um, <laughs> I think uh the most effective piece of advice I can give someone who's getting interested in getting outdoors, hunting, fishing, and like spending real time with good old mother nature is to get comfortable being uncomfortable because being out in the woods for I mean, if you've been out on a hike for an hour and done a a mile or two hike, that's one thing. If you're going to go sit off trail in a tree stand or, or on the ground when the wind's blowing and the rain might be coming or it's snowing it's a totally different game when you need to you need to be able to hold still and steady, keep your mind at, in a certain state for, I, I mean, ideally for like ten hours. Um, it's not it's not anything like any other experience that you'll have. It uh, it's going to bring you a lot closer to to Mother Nature than anything else you can do. Um, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big hiker and backpacker and mountain biker. And I used to try to rock climb and I, I did all that stuff. Um, I love all of that stuff, but it, it doesn't bring you, I don't think it can bring you quite as close to nature as, as trying to pursue game. And one of the biggest challenges is being uncomfortable because it's going to happen. You're either going to be hot and sweaty covered in mosquitoes, or you're going to be cold and frozen and wet, still covered in mosquitoes. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be uncomfortable. So that's my hot tip. Get comfortable. Awesome. Thank you both for sharing those uh, those pearls of wisdom. All right. And um, I guess last but not least, please uh, share, I guess, where guys can find you, whether it's on social media, like Instagram, Facebook, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, again, all the social is going to be at Opportunity Outdoors. Um, from there, you'll be able to find some of the regional stuff. Uh, I think it's all like underscore SE for Southeast, underscore NE for Northeast. Um, so Opportunity Outdoors, underscore Southeast. Uh, I'm at Andy Tomaszewski. I'm pretty sure Evan is at Evan Trebilcock. Um, don't try and spell them. Just find us. <laughs> Just find us through Opportunity Outdoors. But, uh, you know, you can reach out to us both uh, on the socials as well. Um, the website is www.opportunityoutdoors.com. If you want to write us an email, it's connect at opportunityoutdoors.com. 
All right. Sounds good, gentlemen. All right. Thank you again for your time and even more so your patience, guys. Um, I'm really looking forward to to everything that you guys uh the more whatever's you know to come looking forward to to helping out with this uh webinar and par uh, possibly participating in a field day hey thanks awesome. for having us cliff this was fun and uh yeah. yeah hope we get to spend more time together in the future man this is great yeah Sounds man good. i'm gonna have to connect with you when next time i get back up in the new york area and uh because i got some family down near the yonkers area on my uh, in-law side here so if I get down that way, I'll let you know. No doubt. Sounds good. All right, gentlemen. Stay blessed. You too, man. All right. I want to thank again Evan and Andy, the co-founders of Opportunity Outdoors, as you just heard, for taking the time out, you know, sitting and speak with me um, and, you know, sharing what Opportunity Outdoors is all about. Um, so if you are a brand new hunter or you know someone new to hunting that is looking to be partnered up with a mentor, um, go ahead and seek out Opportunity Outdoors. Seek out Evan, seek out Andy. Um, let them know who you are, what you're about, what you're looking to accomplish when it comes to um, hunting, all right? So um, in the show notes, you will find um, Evan and Andy's social media info, um, the regions, uh, the basically I'll, I'll, I'll show you or I'll post in the show notes, um, Evan and Andy's, um, you know, Instagram handles, the opportunity outdoors, Instagram handle, um, including the regions. And then I will also post a link to the opportunity outdoors website. Hopefully, um, you know, uh, you guys will be able to utilize that um, to, you know, the best of not only yours, but uh, their abilities. And don't forget, also, they do have their bow school um, kicking off um, sometime this month, this month being June. Um, register for that. Um, I will, as that progresses and gets closer on my Instagram page, I will be posting more information for that um especially considering that you know i was asked to contribute some time and information to that um which i'm looking forward to do um so check it out y'all all right so if you are a first-time listener thank you for taking the time out to uh taking the chance to listen to this episode hope you truly enjoyed it if you are a return listener a subscriber awesome thank you so much uh you guys that aren't subscribers go ahead hit subscribe and regardless of where you're at in terms of you know listening to my journey head over to the review section of whatever platform you're using to listen to this episode hook me up with a five star rating if you're feeling truly generous hook me up with a dope review all right folks again happy friday hope you have a blessed day a blessed weekend um all right Remember to respect the journey, even when it's not your own.